0: If you will, this morning, on this wonderful Easter morning, take your Bibles and turn with me to the Gospel of Luke. But if you will, turn with me to the Gospel of Luke chapter 2. It may be very naturally expected that today I would choose a passage of Scripture that would really be found toward the end of the Gospel. And not just Luke, maybe one of the other Gospels. We all know that Luke 2 is really more of a Christmas chapter. So why Luke 2? We're going to be on verse 11 in just a moment. Well, beloved, we celebrate Easter every Lord's Day, for it is the resurrection of Jesus that commits us to, to meet Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. And so every Lord's Day is resurrection Sunday. But one of the things that we value here at First Baptist, one of our core values is expositional preaching. It is the, the, we are committed to explaining the whole text and letting the text be the point of the sermon, but we are also committed to the issue of systematic preaching, the preaching through the Gospels, preaching through the books of the Bible, verse by verse, so that we may know the whole of Scripture. This enables us to learn all of God's Word, to connect from the beginning and the end and everything all together. And so currently we are walking through the Gospel of Luke, and we just finished chapter 1 last week, and today is scheduled to go into chapter 2, and I know that it's Easter, and I know that it's the resurrection, As we may say, well, this is certainly not the place that you would want to to do an Easter sermon. uh, But as we look into this, I want to show you that here, even in this Christmas story, even in this birth of Christ... That at the end of the day, we are still looking at the crucifixion and the resurrection of Christ, the very things that we celebrate during Easter. It would be a misconception for us to think that the birth of Jesus is somehow separated from the cross and the grave. And so, what I want to share with you this morning is a sermon entitled, That He Was Born to Die. That He Was Born to Die. And I want to show you four things this morning, all found in one verse, verse 11. That Christ was born to die, He was born to die for you, He was born to rise for you, and He is born to die and rise for the nations. And so if you will look with me, Luke chapter 2, and again, we're only going to be looking at one verse this morning. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. May God bless the reading and the preaching of his word this morning. Notice first with me this morning that he is born to die. Here we find the great announcement, the great proclamation that a Savior has come into the world, that Jesus has been born. The word born is the word tick-toe. It's the word tick-toe meaning to bring forth, to produce. It, It means that Jesus has been brought forth into the world through this virgin birth. For this we rejoice in. And so from this point would start the 33 years of ministry of his life and it would end in the crucifixion and it would end in the the, the resurrection and the ascension of Christ. For this we can be extremely grateful, can we not? That that as we read through the Gospel of Matthew, we read through the Gospel of Luke and Mark and John, there are so many things this morning that you and I can grab a hold of and rejoice in and, and give God praise for. Jesus came into this world and he, he taught us many things, did he not? Did Jesus not come and teach us how to, how to love one another? Did he not come and teach us who God was and, and really understand the law of God? Did, God? did Jesus not teach us how to care for the poor and the sick? Did Jesus himself not also come and care for the poor and the sick himself? Did he not reveal God's love to us? Or how to love God? How we can love God and love others? Did Jesus not come and reveal to us the kingdom of God? Give us men, train up men that he was able to send out into the world to begin the church that turned this world upside down. We can make a list of this, of this morning of all of the blessings and all the things that we are grateful for that, that Jesus gives us, that, that comes after His birth, that He entered into this world. But here's something you need to know. Jesus could have done every one of those things without being born. He could have. We know that in the Old Testament, God revealed himself, God gave his message, God taught people, God raised up men. God brought forth a kingdom, all of the things that I've mentioned to you, all of the things that I've given to you that Jesus has done, which we are eternally grateful for, we can see that he could do those things without ever having to take on flesh and blood. And So what was the purpose what was the reason in which Christ had to be born? And brothers and sisters, it was very clear. Christ was born for the purpose of dying. Notice that the angel said that for born for you is a Savior who is Christ the Lord. We are, we are given the identity of this individual. He is the Messiah, Christ. But he is also God, Yahweh. He is, he is God in the flesh who takes on. And it is God who was the promised one. But he even gives us an even deeper thing here when he says, Born for you a Savior. We must understand that Christ came into the world to save mankind. Listen to the author of Hebrews, from Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9 and verse 14 and 15. As he kind of illustrates to us this beauty of Christ and connecting the birth and the the death and the resurrection of Christ. He says, but we do see him who made for, for a little while lower than the angels. And namely that Jesus, because of the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for every one. And so therefore, since the children share in the flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and might free those who through fear of death were subjects to slavery all their lives. You see, dear friends, Jesus partook, the author says of Hebrews, He, he shared in flesh and blood. Jesus came and, and partook of, of, of this human nature, humanity. Why? Because in His natural existence, flesh and blood was not there, but Jesus then is born, He's brought forth through this birth, partaking of flesh and blood that He may share in your humanity. Why? Well, God sets this up all through the Old Testament. He even sets this up even in His law, that Jesus may be a kinsman redeemer. We know the story of Ruth, do we not? The young woman the, you know, who's mother, who married a, a man son, who died, and and then the, the brother-in-law died, the, the father-in-law died, and it was just her and her mother-in-law, and they're expecting themselves to die, and they go back to... To, to Israel, they go back to Jerusalem, they go back, they may die. And their only hope would be that someone within the family, someone who was close to Naomi, someone who was a kinsman, may marry Ruth, that he may redeem the family name and bring protection and bring life to this family that knew nothing but death. Oh, brothers and sisters, that when Jesus Christ came into this world, he came for the very purpose that he may share as a kinsman redeemer, that he may take on flesh and blood for the very purpose of being a redemption for you and for me. I love what John MacArthur says about this. In an article called Born to Die, John MacArthur says that unlike Isaac, who ascended the mountain with his father Abraham, unaware that he was to be the sacrifice, Jesus descended from heaven in full awareness that the Father had in store for him. Jesus descended from heaven knowing that he came to die for a world that did not love him. Do you see the great love of this this morning? On this great Easter morning where we have just celebrated, we just look back on Good Friday and now here we are celebrating the resurrection of Christ. Brothers and sisters, do, do you recognize this morning that when Jesus came into this world, the, the, the crucifixion and the resurrection of Christ was no accident. It, it was not, as some have said, that Jesus became a radical, that He was like a Gandhi or a Martin Luther King, that He was some great teacher and that He just got caught up in His... In his in his world view, he just got caught up in his radical view of loving one another and caring for the poor. He got caught up with uh, making Rome his enemies and somehow he couldn't get out of it. And, and so they killed him. No, brothers and sisters, that was not, that was not what happened. Jesus knew that when he was there on the right hand of the Father, that he looks to the Father, is it time yet? And the Father says, yes, go forth, my son. Go forth that you may die. Go forth that you may lay your life down for these people that I have created. These people who have wandered for Me, for they are all like sheep who have gone astray. Do you see the great love this morning of which Christ had that when He came into the world, He came knowing that He would die for you? This is great love. The Bible tells us that there is no greater love than this, that one would lay down his life for another. I submit to you this morning that you must grab a hold of this doctrine. You must grab a hold of this truth of knowing that the crucifixion and the resurrection was always the reason in which He came. I know that we live in a world today who wants to not preach the cross of, of Calvary. Who wants to not preach the resurrection and the deity of Christ. And they just want to focus on everything else, His teachings and all of that. But brothers and sisters you would miss the great love of god maybe this morning you are weary in this life you're weary in your walk of faith and in your journey of faith maybe you are lonely and depressed maybe you are hurting maybe you have been hurt by someone maybe you never experienced the great love of a of a mother or a father or a brother or a sister, maybe you never experienced friendship. And you are a person here this morning, you are weary and lonely, and you are looking for great love. And maybe this morning you think that just think that if you could just find the right person, if you could just do the right things, if you could change who you are, then just maybe someone will love you and someone will bring you that which you have not known. Brothers and sisters, I submit to you this morning that Christ, that God loves and He loves us. And we find it in the fact that He sent His Son to die for us. Dear friends, draw string from this great truth this morning. Christ loved. Which leads us to the second point, He loved you. You see, Christ did not just come to die in general notice that this angel proclaimed jesus was born to die for you And this word here we know that he's talking to the shepherds and so but that would be foolish of us to think that he's only talking to a group of shepherds it would be foolish to only think that he was only talking to the jews because it is a word that is in its plural form it means all of us and i'll even come back to that again later so we know that you and I are included in the you. But here is something that you must grasp this morning. That if a savior is provided for you, if a savior if, if, if an individual comes to save you, this means that you are an individual who is in need of saving. You are a, a person who is in need of delivering. It means that there are things in your life that are not right. Now I know For me to say that you are a sinner and need to be saved of your sins is certainly not politically correct. It is certainly not what the culture would tell us today. It is certainly not the message of our culture and society. Matter of fact, our culture and society tells us that you are not a sinner, you're not really bad. You just need a safe place, you just need to be tolerated, you just need to be respected. You actually just need to be ministered to and comforted and cared for and and given time until you find out who you are. And once you figure out all of this or, you know, maybe once society finally catches up with the more progressive ideas of life and society begins to realize that that humanity is really not the problem and, you know, it's just we just need to catch up with the, the newer things of this world then we can all just get along and we'll all be okay people really don't need saving you're not the problem but that is not what the angel said the angel said born for you this day born for you a savior what do the scriptures say about this what does the scripture say about you and what do the scriptures say about me well, we could go to the Old Testament and we can read in Isaiah 53, 6 that all of us like sheep have gone astray, each of us have turned to his own way. In other words, that we know, we are a people who are, who who disobey our Lord and instead of going according to his will and following his commands, we we follow our own way. Or if you would, turn with me to the right, to the book of Romans, probably Romans chapter Romans chapter 3, probably the most clear view of our sinful nature if you would look at that with me romans chapter 3 verse 9 i, I, I want you to see what paul writes about you and, and not just you but me as well What well, paul writes about us here and we must remember that what paul is writing it is the inspired word it is it is from the inspiration of the holy spirit so really this is not just paul writing this is god himself And we see here that in Romans chapter 3, after dealing with the Jews and dealing with the Gentiles, he now says, what then? Are we better than they? Not at all. He's already made the case the Gentile is a sinner. And then he made the case the Jew is the sinner. And he says, is anyone better than the other? And he says, no, we've already charged that both Jew and Greek are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. All have turned aside together. They have become useless. There is none who does good. There is not even one. Their throat is an open grave. With their tongues they keep deceiving. The poison of serpents is upon, under their lips. Their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are all in their path. And The path of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before, before their eyes. Then look at verse 21. He says, but now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus for all who believe. Then he says, for there is no distinction. There's no distinction between Jew and Greek. And there's no distinction between man and woman. There's no distinction between black and white and every other shade of color in between. Verse 23. For all have sinned, and fall short of the glory of God. Dear friends, here is the message of the Bible. And here is the message of Easter. Everyone sins. Everyone has sinned. There is no one who does not sin. And there is no escaping the label. You and I, according to both Old and New Testament, are sinners the bible teaches that god created the earth and he made man perfectly but our father adam sinned against god he was given one law do not eat of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil do not eat of that tree you have everything else but adam who like a sheep went astray who went his own way Broke and transgressed the law of God, thus us, thus entering sin, entering into the world, and entering to all who would follow in Adam's footstep. In his DNA, all of mankind is infected with sin. We are under the judgment of sin. For Deuteronomy twenty-seven verse twenty-six says, "Cursed is he who does not confirm or conform, uh, confirm the words of the law by doing them." What is the curse? It is the fact that we deserve to die, for God himself said that once you break of this law, you will die. Dear friends, we have not kept the law of God, and we are indeed sinful and deserving of death. So maybe there's one here this morning who says, well, I don't know about that. I think I'm actually okay. I'm pretty good. Have you ever watched the uh, Ray Comfort way of the master? I always loved that. It's a wonderful way of evangelizing people. It's really simple. You just walk through the Ten Commandments. And so we could do very easily this morning, we could say, have you, you know, have you committed murder? And you would say, well, well no, Brother Ron, I've, I've never committed murder. My hands are clean of murder. Well, but Jesus came into the world, and there in Matthew chapter 5, on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus lets us know that you may say that you've never committed murder, but God has a greater standard. He says, so if therefore, if you have anger or bitterness or resentment toward your brother or sister or, or anyone, that you hate somebody that that is murder in the eyes of god it is not just the sins of your hands it is also the sins of your of your of your thoughts and the sins of your heart and so all of a sudden how many of you in here have committed the sin of murder now you have broken out you have anger and wrath and resentment and bitterness maybe someone got away with that this morning you say okay brother brian i'm, I'm good there well what about the sin of of adultery And you say, well, I've I've never committed adultery. Well, Jesus again said that if you have lust in your heart, then that you have committed adultery. Have you ever lusted after someone? Have you ever lusted after anyone else? And you've committed the sin of adultery. What about the sin of idolatry? The fact that we are to love God with all our heart, soul, and mind. You say, well, I've never done that. Well, but have you loved money more than God? Have you loved people more than God? Have you loved yourself more than God? And all of a sudden, you find that you're an idolater, what about a liar? Or have you ever stolen anything? Brothers and sisters, as we begin to walk down through the Ten Commandments, what we find is, is that we are blasphemers and idolaters, and we are murderers and we are thieves and liars and adulterers. And the Bible is very clear that if you have broken one of these laws, you have broken all of these walls and you are under the curse of God, you are under the judgment of God, deserving eternal suffering and death. But this is the good news of Luke 2.11. For born to you is a Savior. The Savior was born to die for you, the sinner. Mark 2.17 tells us, it's not those who are healthy who need a physician, but it is those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous if you are righteous this morning in and of your own works, if you are like the Pharisees who believe that you have not sinned and you have never done, anything, you've never done anything wrong, and that you will stand before God and you will be judged according to your works, then guess what? Jesus was not born for you. Would anyone be willing to say that? That if you are righteous and you are not a sinner then brothers and sisters, you cannot claim that Christ came for you. But he says, I did not come to call the righteous. I came to call the sinner. And then all of a sudden our hands can go up this morning and say, that's me. If you can see your sinful state this morning, beloved, I want you to know that you have the promise that Jesus came to die for you today. That Christ came to bring forgiveness and healing for your sin. Because right above that verse 6 of Isaiah 53, he says, in verse 5, he says, But he was pierced through for our transgressions, and he was crushed for our iniquities. The chastisement of our well-being fell upon him. And by his wounds, by his scourging, we are, notice the word, we are healed. We are made whole. We are forgiven and we are made right. You see, to experience the forgiveness of sins, brothers and sisters, you must know that Christ died for you. You must, you, must, you must embrace this fact that, that Jesus and place faith in the fact that He is Christ the Lord and He came and He died and He rose from the grave. You must recognize, secondly, your sin. You must stop hiding from your sin. You must stop justifying your sin. You must stop, conf- you must stop trying to, to, to cover up your sin. You must confess your sin before God. And then you must run from your sin. You must turn Away and run from your sin. You say, Brother Brian, where do I run to? You run to the cross of Calvary. You run to the empty tomb. You run to Christ. You run to Christ. And I would even encourage you to run to a Christian friend. Run to the Word of God and begin to study and begin to have others help and work with you that you may may have power and victory over your sin. But know this. Just as Christ healed the sick and the lame and removed their physical impurities that plagued the people of his day. His death on Calvary is the remedy for your spiritual illness and sin. Christ sets us free. He sets us free from its power and he cleanses us. For 1 Peter 2.24 says he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin. That is the beauty of Good Friday. If my sins cannot be destroyed and cannot die with him on that cross, then it's not good. That's the beauty of the resurrection of, of, of Christ, that if he, cannot, if he did not rise from that grave, then it is, it is not a good day, brothers, because my sins are still here. But He tells me that He bore my sin on His body, that my sin may die, and I may live to the righteousness, for by His wounds, notice the wording Peter says here, by His wounds you are healed. I ask you today, beloved, do you need forgiveness of sins this morning? If you say, I don't. If you say, I am, I'm not in need of that. I have nothing to offer you. But this morning, if you embrace the fact that you're a sinner and you would say, Brother Brian, I am in need of the forgiveness of sin. I have grand news for you. Run to Christ. If you are an unbeliever needing the forgiveness and needing salvation, run to Christ in repentance and in faith. Exercise faith. Call out to God. Ask Him to save you. Ask Him to wipe you clean. To give you a new heart. To make your slate clean. Confess your sin. Confess your sinful state. Your sinful nature to Him. And seek today to run away from that. And to run to the Word and the commands and the will of God. Or maybe you're a believer this morning who has come in and you are tired of sin plaguing you. Isn't the battle of sin weary, brothers and sisters? Amen? Don't you get tired of dealing with it? Go to Christ in prayer this morning if you have found yourself in sin. Go to Christ this morning and confess your sin and knowing that He died for you. And so therefore you have the promise that your sin can be forgiven and the power of sin over you can be broken. But thirdly, I would suggest to you this morning, not only did he die for you, you need to see and understand that Christ also was born to rise for you. The resurrection was no accident. It was always planned. I want you to see that he says born for you a Savior. How could he be a Savior if he did not rise? How could He be proclaimed a Savior if they knew that, that, this was, that it was going to end on the cross and, he, and that stone was going to stay exactly where, where it was? Oh, well, I believe that when the angel said, that when the angel declared that it was a Savior that was being born, that He knew and He rejoiced in what was to come. Have you ever just known something and the other person didn't? And you're just, you're just giddy with excitement and you're like, you know, you're just, I'm like that with movies. Like if I, if I see a movie and I'm watching it with my kids and I'm just like, y'all just wait, the ending is coming. And they're like, dad, we're, that's just the introduction. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, but you're going to love the ending, Right? I mean, I love it. Like, you know, the Marvel movies. Like, we went and saw, I saw the new Spider-Man. And so we're watching it with our kids, you know, a couple months later. And and I'm just sitting there because I know what's going to happen. It's going to be good. Can you imagine the angel who comes and he says, born for you a Savior. He's going to die. And the other angel's like, shh. They'll figure this. They're going to figure this out. Hold on. We're going to see this. He knew. All of heaven knew no. what was going to take place. And this is the beauty of Easter. That without the resurrection, his life and his death mean nothing. First Corinthians 15, 17-19 it says, And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Oh my goodness, we have to go back to point two now. If he's not been raised, even if he does die, if he has not been raised, I'm still in my sins. Not only that, he says that all those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If we have hoped in Christ only in this life, we are of all people who are to be most pitied. But the angel knew that we were not a people to be pitied. For the Bible tells us that the angels look upon man. They, They look upon us because of our salvation in Christ and the work of God that he did. They look upon us because they're amazed by what was going on. We are not a people to be pitied. Because Christ was brought forth from the grave. And Paul writes, he continues, he says that this brings us life. For all, he says, for just as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. Everyone whose faith, who exercises faith and repentance to Christ will be made alive. Colossians 1.18 tells us, he says, that Christ, he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. You know what firstborn means? I have four kids. That means there's three others behind the first one. Firstborn means you got the first one, but then you got all those who come later, right? If Christ is the firstborn from the dead, what does that mean? It means there's going to be another and another and another Who are the others? Who who are those who who will also rise from the grave but you and I who have placed our faith in Christ? Just as Christ was brought forth from the dead, so all of God's children be brought forth from the dead. You see, Christ's resurrection brings to the children of God, it brings to them life even though they may experience the grave. The grave is not the end. Why? Because just as the Hebrew author told us that Jesus partook, Jesus shared in your flesh and blood, in your humanity, we are also told by Jesus that through his life and death, for those who exercise faith in him, we partake and share in his physical resurrection. This is the why, to be absent of the body, to be present with the Lord. Not to mention one day Christ will also return and he will bring about a new world, a a new heaven and a new earth. And we can all say amen to this one, new glorified bodies. Amen? A body that does not know sin. I get there are some of you in here, you're going, I can't wait for my knees to stop aching and squeaking. I'm with you. Some of you are going, I can't wait till, 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 you know, I don't have this heart problem and this memory problem and, and my back stops hurting. I, I'm with you, amen. But you will have a glorified body that will also know, no, it will, it will not know sin. It, it will have no idea of sin. It will not be affected by sin. Beloved, this is the beauty of Christ who was born to die for your sins, but also... He was born to rise for your life, for your eternal life. And so I submit to you again this morning another doctrine that we must trust on this Easter morning. Christ gives all Christians the promise of resurrection. Just as you are a sinner, you are given a promise that if your sins are forgiven and you come to Christ, you get the promise of life and resurrection. So I have asked you this morning, is your Christian walk being a struggle? Is it being hindered by physical sickness? Do the aches and the pains of this life get you down spiritually? Or, or even old age, as we become older, do, are these the same things that, that tend to, to bother us, that tend to, or, or to, to, get us just to make us struggle in the morning and bring depression and, and, and make life hard? we begin to think and believe that maybe, just maybe, this sickness or this old age is going to get the better of me. Brothers and sisters, you've been given a promise in Christ and His resurrection. You will experience a new life. The resurrection of Jesus guarantees you will be victorious over your illness, over the, your old age, over all of aches and pains. Maybe you've lost a loved one, and the hurt of losing that loved one is still hard. It was a husband, it was a mom, it was a dad, and it still hurts. And you struggle with this, but you have been given a promise in the resurrection of Christ. You will know if this person is a believer, and you are a believer in Christ, you will not only know Christ and and, and the glorified body, but you will once again be reunited with Him. Or maybe you're kind of like me at times, and maybe this old world has just got you tied up in knots. You watch way too much news, you watch way too many, you get on social media way too much, and you see what is going on in this world, and it is just ridiculous what is happening, and you know it's only going to continue to get worse, and you get tied up in knots. Dear beloved, we have been promised in the resurrection of Christ not only a new body, but a new world as well. This sinful world will be remade and you and I will rule with Christ for all eternity. Is this not something to rejoice in this morning? But there's one final thing that I share with you. I want you to know that Christ not only died and rose for you. I told you earlier that that you is actually plural. Many would think that it's just the shepherds, and they would say, well, he came for those like the shepherds, or he came for the Jews. He came for maybe those like the shepherd who were, you know, in the lower social class of their day. He came for the oppressed and the marginalized, brothers and sisters. He came for you, plural, meaning all of humanity. The angels speaking to these human shepherds, He's telling us he came for all of us, and the scriptures back this up. They affirm this. His death and his resurrection is for all of us. Could there be a more needed truth today in the pulpits around America? To be reminded that we are a people that should not be divided by race and not be divided by our zip codes and not be divided by who was in our ancestry tree, my family tree, and all that type of stuff. The angel comes and declares to us, to all humanity, that Christ was born this day for all of us. The fruit of His saving work will benefit not only you, not only the, the light-skinned, and not only the dark-skinned, but all shades in between. Not only those who are in the West or in the East. Not only those who are born in this time frame, or in the past time frame, or in the previous time frame. Christ came for all of us. All of humanity. That, they may, that the gospel may be preached. And that the gospel may save men and women from all tribes and all nations and all tongues and all colors. Salvation is no respecter of cultures. You want to know why? Because, because sin is no respecter of cultures. The resurrection of Christ has global ramifications. For John twelve thirty two, Christ said, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. He means he will draw all nations. He will draw people from all nations and all tribes and all tongues and all skin colors. People from different zip codes and different timelines, different seasons in history. Everyone who has this faith in Christ can and will be saved. It is—is this not what we need to hear in the pulpits today? That Easter is the celebration of new life for the nations, dear friends. What matters is not the color of your skin. What matters is not, again, your zip code or your family tree. What matters today, brothers and sisters, for all of humanity, is where do we place our faith? Who do we place our faith in? My prayer is this morning that your faith is in the one who was born to die and rise for you. But I also encourage you this morning... Not only should you place your faith in this one, in Christ, you should also proclaim this message and this message alone for the salvation of those you love and the salvation of humanity. I challenge you this Easter morning to be part of the effort to see the nation saved. Jesus died and was resurrected for all. For the nations, that, for, that, that, we may, that those from those nations may come to Him. We are commanded to go and to tell and so, on this Easter morning, I would encourage you to go and tell your family members, Christ was born to die for you. Go and tell your friends, and go and tell your neighbors, go and tell your coworkers, parents, go home and tell your children, and don't stop telling them. Go, go home to those who have, who have who have heard you once and heard you twice, brothers and sisters, and they still have not come to to exercise faith in Christ, and you're to the point of giving up, don't forget, Christ has died. They can be saved. So tell them over and over and over again. Fulfill the great commission to proclaim the life, the death, and the resurrection of Christ to the nations. In closing, I leave you with this. What I have shared with you this morning is the simple gospel of Jesus Christ. And on this Easter day, sadly, there will be churches all over this country who will do things other than just that. This past sun this past day of the night, Mellie and I, we, the kids were gone and we watched a movie. And I'm not very big on... Low-budget movies and things, but but we watched one because the title was interesting, and it was called Church People. And it was really a good, kind of interesting movie. But the way that the whole thing was was that it really was making fun and pointing out the error of American church culture. You see, we're all about the gimmicks, and so Easter was coming, and so this pastor had already been shot out of a cannon. He had already had the church logo tattooed on his arm. He had already done all these different things. And so he wanted to do something big and grand. He wanted to do something that would draw the masses. And so therefore, on that Easter Sunday, he had a plan to crucify one of their teenagers. To literally put nails in the hands they thought this would just draw a large crowd. It was a gimmick. It was a show that had gone way too far. And one rose up and he said, Brothers and sisters, he says, We must not move away from the gospel. Dear brothers, Easter is not a gimmick. It's not confetti. It's not a production. It's not a show. The message and the power of Easter is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was born. Jesus Christ lived a perfect and holy life, never sinning. He died for your sins, and he rose to bring you life. Repent, believe, and stop looking to the gimmicks because the power of Easter is in the gospel. Let's pray.